Hello, and welcome to Holly History, where we discuss what you want to hear. Bringing you the story and answering your questions. No fake news, no alternative facts. Just history, all the time. Hello and welcome to Holly History, we discussed you on here. Mr. D here today, and we're doing something a little bit different than uh, some of the episodes we've done in the past. This is not about a specific historical topic or unit, it's not a short. This is something you can directly use to kind of prepare yourself for uh, a Regents exam. And it's kind of the beginning, the basics of it. And the reason I'm recording it specifically is because my eighth graders are going to be working through this in distance learning, but it's a good way to kind of understand and get you ready for some things when it comes to the global regions exam in 10th grade. And specifically, we're going to deal with a topic called enduring issues. Now, previously in the global exam for New York State regions, you were asked to do two essays, a thematic essay and a document-based question essay. They've done away with that now and move towards an Enduring Issues essay. You're going to hear my mouse clicking a lot today because I'm going to be working through kind of the notes to, to remind you of some of the big things to, to talk about with an Enduring Issues essay. But I think this is going to be a valuable tool. It should be a pretty short podcast for you to re- uh, review for too. But to kind of look at this in a historical sense, I like this switch. I like this transition in this essay because with the DBQ, to me, the, the exam kind of led you in a certain direction on the question. And it was really content-based. Um, not that this isn't, this is extremely content based still, but I think this is a good level of thinking and gets you in the mindset of what historians kind of think about better than a DBQ does. An enduring issues essay, in my opinion, is a modified thematic essay. It kind of combines a thematic essay, which usually dealt with themes in history and a DBQ essay. An enduring issues essay is going to take these, the best of both of those worlds and put them together. So what an Enduring Issues essay does, it will give you a series of documents. Sometimes these documents are from a similar topic or time period. Sometimes they can be, you know, different, you know, uh, areas of time in history on different topics, different people, different events, um, different themes. So there's a little bit of uh, variety, but some of but the documents usually will be pretty similar. Now this is still all relatively new, so this will be an ongoing, changing thing as New York State with the Regents exam continues to evolve. Um, so it's still pretty new. But our department at Holly was really, really good at getting kind of out front on this and getting students prepared. We like to actually introduce enduring issues in eighth grade um, to get students ready all the way in tenth grade for their global exam. So let's talk about what an enduring issue is. Um, an enduring issue is something in social studies or history, and I'm going to kind of use some of the exact terms that New York State uses. Uh, it's defined as a challenge or a problem that a society has faced and debated or discussed across time. It's one that many societies have attempted to address with varying degrees of success. So that's kind of the, the official New York State um, definition for an enduring issue right there. What I would like to kind of frame an enduring issue as, it's something that people, humans, it's a challenge or a problem or a solution to a problem 
that people have done throughout history, and it seems to always pop up. Okay, now I find that with students, explaining an enduring issue is way harder than finding examples of an enduring issue, and that's okay. That's kind of a good thing actually, because when students actually go to do this, it's pretty simple. All right, so we're going to go through um, a, a series of enduring issues and topics we kind of see in history, and I think it'll make more sense when we kind of dive in. So again, enduring issue is something that has challenged people across time. Uh, it, it, it seems to be you know, universal. It happens around the globe to different peoples and things like that. So the first enduring issue that I want to talk about, now there's, before I get into this, there's a lot of debate whether or not students should even learn examples of enduring issues or if they should kind of just look at documents and, and kind of say what they see. Um, at Holly, we like to kind of give students in eighth grade uh, a, a basis of issues. So we go through about um, nine issues in eighth grade and what we do is by giving them the nine issues, we give them a base and we can kind of add more as time goes on. So the first enduring issue, and I think this is the easiest one of them all and the most obvious for humans is conflict. So enduring issue number one is conflict and conflict is a serious disagreement or an argument um, between two people, between groups of people, or even whole, whole countries, right? Conflict can be violent or nonviolent though, right? Conflict isn't always um, a war with death and violence and killing. Conflict can be something as simple as a debate, an exchange of ideas, or a peaceful protest. So it can be between like an individual, two people in history, or between whole countries. Here are some examples of this, um, of conflict. For instance, in U.S. history, I'm going to use a lot of U.S. history examples. The Boston Massacre, okay, in the 1770s. This is an example of conflict um, that you see in 7th grade and 11th grade material. You know, you have the colonists upset with taxation, some things going on. Um, obviously, I'm oversimplifying this. You know, protesting out in front of a customs office, okay, and the British soldiers firing into them, all right, and the document we use in our notes is the, the you know, Paul Revere's famous engraving. Um, you know, you see conflict in this document. Now, this conflict is violent. It didn't start out that way. It started out as a protest, right? You know, you're, 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 you're protesting, um, you know, your conflict, your disagreement with the British, you know, with taxes or um, certain acts that uh, they've, they've acted upon the colonies. So there's conflict there in a discussion. And then, you know, that conflict erupted into violence. Here, what about conflict between groups of people, okay? Um, Non-nations, just groups of people. You could see that in the civil rights movement, Right, some of the conflicts where protesters were assaulted, um, or you could see conflict. Some of the peaceful protests, like the sit-ins, there's a disagreement there, so there is conflict. So conflict is usually the one that I think it's the most human enduring issue because it seems like you know history is sort of like the news. You know, we always see the bad stuff. The bad stuff kind of always pops up. Um, so conflict is very, very obvious, and there's obviously dozens of more examples of conflict. You know, obviously World War II, Cold War. There's conflict. Cold War is a good example of conflict because, you know, there isn't exactly violent bomb bombing conflict between the Soviet Union and the United States, but there's that disagreement between nations. Okay. You know, another example of conflict between just two individuals would be Martin Luther King Jr. and, um, you know, Dr. King and, and Malcolm X and their differing ideas on civil rights and things like that. Okay. Another example of an enduring issue that you see over time is cooperation. Uh, between, again, you know, cooperation is a process, process of working together to achieve a common goal. Um, again, just like conflict, it can be between individuals, uh, small groups of people, large groups of people, or even whole countries. A great example of conflict you can see is World War II. You know, uh, the Soviet Union 
isn't exactly the United States and Great Britain's cup of tea, but they cooperate to defeat Nazi Germany in World War II. They're cooperating, nations are cooperating to end a, a world war. All right, And there's different examples you can see of cooperation as well throughout history. Um, I'm just going to kind of keep this simple to keep this podcast sort of moving along and not you know boring you too much. I spent a lot of time on conflict especially because I think conflict is the one students like to gravitate to because you can see conflict in, in just about anything uh, in history. It's very, very popular. A third enduring issue we see is power. And power is the ability to influence or control the behavior of people and it's part of a lot of human interaction. Um, people can have lots of power, but so can groups. You see these things with enduring issues. You'll see it on an individual level. Like an individual can have power. For example, uh, Napoleon. Okay, there's a global example. Napoleon of France. He can have a lot of power, but he has power within his nation too, so it's even more complicated. All right. Another example of power you can see in um, in U.S., is uh, poll taxes and literacy tests, literacy tests, excuse me, keeping African Americans from voting, right? Southern governments using that power to keep African Americans from voting. Another example of power, John D. Rockefeller, right? The Standard Oil Company, having lots of power to um, influence elections and politics and legislation and laws. So power looks a lot of different ways too. Again, can be an individual, can be a government. These enduring issues can be um, on the small level, like individual people, or on the large level, as big as a country. They're not specific to either. Another enduring issue is inequality. Um, I do not like this definition they offer. It's, uh, you know, inequality is the state of being unequal, of course, right? Um, when there's inequality, uh, one group has more power than others. And there you also see a unique thing with enduring issues. With inequality, it's kind of tied with power, and it can also be tied with conflict. For instance, some enduring issues can cause other ones. For instance, power can cause inequality which can cause conflict to fix the inequality. So enduring issues can kind of be lumped together. That's getting down the road a little more complex, and it's certainly if you can do that when you write your enduring issues essay on a global exam and start lumping issues together, that's also very, very good. So sometimes, you know, in history we see um, because a group has power, they they make they create situations where other groups of people can be unequal. Obviously, my favorite example of this in U.S. history is the Supreme Court case of Plessy versus Ferguson. Plessy versus Ferguson, um, Homer Plessy gets on the train in uh, in Louisiana, and you know he he is asked to to move, even though he's bought the correct ticket. It goes to Supreme Court, um, and the Supreme Court rules that you know segregated facilities are totally fine so long as they are separate but equal. Okay, so that creates inequality. And segregation is a great example of inequality within the United States. Some other kind of lesser known examples would be like the Gilded Age, right? You have a lot of, uh, you have a good portion of wealthy people, um, a very small middle class in the Gilded Age, late um, late 19th century, early 20th century, and then you have a significant amount of working poor. So that's a good example of inequality too. So it can be inequality under the law. It can be inequality of resources. Maybe, you know, some people have lots of money, not a lot of people have money. Um, so inequality is, is a solid enduring issue too to use. So, so far we've gone through conflict, which is, you know, disagreements between people or groups of people, cooperation, which is, you know, working together between individuals or groups of people to achieve something. We've got power. Power is when one group of people has control over another group of people. Inequality, which is uh, two groups of people or, you know, um, two areas of, of people throughout history where they, they don't have equal footing or equal ground. 
So we're going to move on to our fifth enduring issue here, which is innovation. This is a really interesting one because I feel like it doesn't get enough um, credit. And sometimes this is all, so innovation is also used as industrialization or, um, you know, technology, right? So it can, all of these enduring issues kind of can have other names depending on how you teach them. But an innovation is a change or a new method or an idea, and they can have positive or negative impacts. All of these enduring issues can have positive or negative impacts, okay? Like cooperation, you can cooperate to make other people unequal, right? Um, you can have conflict that leads to very nasty things or very good things a lot of times. So these aren't set in stone as always good things. And, you know, they're not always successful or, you know, so they can have lots of different outcomes. So innovations, though, they change the way we live our lives. Um, they can be positive or negative. One example of an innovation is, you know, Thomas Edison creating the light bulb, uh, using electricity in cities. Uh, another innovation is Andrew Carnegie's steel. Now, these are all solid innovations, but let's take Carnegie Steel, for example, right? At the Homestead plant where he's creating this new, innovative, very strong steel, his workers have to work extremely long hours in dangerous conditions. That's a negative impact of that innovation. Another one can be, um, you know, you, you create automobiles, right? And, you know, you can argue, though, down the line, those automobiles create pollution or something like that. So innovation can have positive and negative impacts. On to the sixth enduring issue that we teach students in eighth grade. Now, I'm going to be totally honest with you. Some of these issues I like a lot more than others. Um, I've been a pretty good fan of one through five, but number six here is interconnectedness. Say that three times fast. Interconnectedness is the state of having connections or relationships with other people. Um, This is also called globalization, too, is another common way to describe this. And this is when people are connected through travel or trade. Um, It can also mean that cultures blend. So a couple examples of interconnectedness, especially for the eighth graders listening or people in the U.S., um, interconnectedness would be an example like immigration, right? People, um, you know, here's another way enduring uses are connected. Innovation of steam, you know, I'm sorry, excuse me, ocean travel across the Atlantic, creates interconnectedness among people between Europe and places where people are immigrating from. But anyways, uh, don't want to get off track too much. Interconnectedness, a good example of that is, you know, immigration to the United States, right? The blending of cultures called cultural diffusion and global um, within the United States, right? There's that expression, the melting pot of, uh, of America. Um, obviously, you can debate that. But you know, there's still this idea of cultures coming together or being connected through either immigration. It can also be through trade too, for instance, right? Um, you know, when when one of the first McDonald's opened in China, right? Towards the long after the Cold War is over, or in, in Moscow when the first McDonald's opened, right? The the moving of businesses and goods across borders. So trade, immigration are good examples of societies being connected or interconnected. All right, not my favorite issue. On to another one. This, this issue that I'm going to explain to you right now is a great example of connecting enduring issues and the root of almost every enduring issue. And this enduring issue, uh, number seven, ideas and beliefs. And our ideas and beliefs shape the world the way we look at the world. Um, they can come from your, your, your religion. Um, they can come from your simple observations, right? They can come from your family, your parents, uh, important books, um, or even the people around you. The way we see the world, our ideas and beliefs impact the decisions we make in life as humans and in history, who we vote for, who we follow, right? I think the two biggest enduring issues that are connected have to be ideas and beliefs 
and conflict. Power and equality is up there too, but if you look at history, our ideas and beliefs lead us to conflict or cooperation sometimes. But ideas and beliefs are always at the root of this, okay? For instance, a great example of ideas and beliefs for global folks, the Crusades, right? The ideals and religion of the crusaders who um, who traveled to Southwest Asia, the Middle East, to reclaim holy relics in the Holy Land. Their ideas and beliefs led them to those crusades, to that conflict. A U.S. example of ideas and beliefs. All right, here's another one. Uh, during the Imperial Age, okay, you had individuals like Theodore Roosevelt, Henry Cabot Lodge who had ideas and beliefs that America America needed to be a superpower and to you know be on the world stage. Those ideas and beliefs led them to push for the Spanish-American War, to push for annexing places like the Philippines and Hawaii. So your ideas and beliefs can lead you into other things. It's the basis of who you are. Now, there's a lot of things that influence ideas and beliefs. Important books. The Bible would be an example of that. It's a religious text that influences people. Global folks, the Quran. That will influence people's ideas and beliefs and their actions. Could be even a political party, right? We see this all the time. If you're a Republican, your ideas and beliefs might cause you to vote Republican. If you're a Democrat, your ideas and beliefs might encourage you to vote Democrat. So ideas and beliefs are really at the root of a lot of uh, enduring issues too. Issue number eight. This one in particular is really, really great for global. We do see it in eighth grade as well. But I think in global, it's really, really um, obvious. And that's issue number eight we talk about in in Holly is uh, the environmental impact, right? Our environment is the area around us in which we live. Now, we can have a huge impact on our environment. The most obvious thing people talk about, the pollution, uh, the pollution, (laughs) pollution and climate change, right? Um, How our actions in our environment can, can hurt the environment. We can also do things that help the environment. We can have a positive impact. On our environment too. But I also want to point out that this is the one thing people forget about. Our environment can impact us big time. Think about weather patterns. Hurricane Katrina would be an example in uh, in the early 2000s for a U.S. example to talk about. Um, Rachel Carson's Silent Spring, her, her book where she wrote about the dangers of pesticides, DDT, um, and that had a positive impact in the environment. But environmental impact is is important because you know i want to talk about go back to the idea of uh our environment impacting us um if you look at uh for global folks if you look at greece for example one of the reasons that historians often cite that uh greece was never able to unify like the way rome did or other empires um of its age was because of the terrain the mountains that kept the city states apart a city states apart i keep adding plurals to things today um you can see how our environment really has a profound impact on us as much as we can have an impact on that. So issue number eight, environmental impact. Issue number nine, this one in particular for eighth graders, I'm not a big fan of because it's kind of an odd thing to talk about, but it's really great for global. And issue number nine we teach is scarcity. Scarcity is the state of not having enough of a good, an item, money, something. Um, I could think the best example of this is the Great Depression, right? You had a, a, a decrease in the amount of currency around, um, deflation, a lack of resources for Americans, a lack of jobs. Jobs were scarce. Hard times. Um, scarcity in, in global can look at, can be looked at as like, you know, uh, one region has a lot of a resource and another region doesn't. So scarcity can lead to conflict. Um, so scarcity is another enduring issue we talk about. So number nine, now that's the last enduring issue we have that we talk about. And I want to just mention, there are plenty more enduring issues you can learn about. 
You know, I talked about how innovation is often called industrialization or technology, right? Um, trade can be considered an enduring issue. So there's the list is really long. There's really no end in sight to it. As a student, if you think that you can name an enduring issue and make a solid case for it, you can certainly do that. We only give these nine to students just to give them a base, to give them some ideas. Um, we want them to have something that they can take and then build on. So we went through those nine enduring issues. Now, what you'll be asked to do in the global exam is you'll get a series of documents like I talked about earlier. You won't have any questions like the DBQs anymore. The DBQs used to have you answer questions about the documents, and then you used the answers and the documents in the essay. Now, what we're teaching students to do is, you know, you get the document. It's a political cartoon, a writing of some sort. Um, you have to evaluate the source, the bias, the purpose, things like that. We'll talk about that in another episode. But you look at the source and you write down what enduring issues you see in those documents. Now, the biggest struggle students have when they go to write enduring issues essay, by the way, eighth graders, if you're listening, for distance learning, you won't be actually writing the essay. We're just practicing on identifying enduring issues in documents. For instance, you know, um, but anyways, the biggest challenge for enduring issues essay is outside information. You've got to take information that's not in the sources that you know and work it into the essay. This is no different than the DBQ. The DBQ had you do this. The advantage of the Enduring Issues essay is, though, is um, you get about five or six documents. The DBQs, you were getting like nine or ten. So the more documents you have, that's the less outside information you can bring in because, again, outside information is just that. It's not in any of the sources. So for the actual essay on the global, you're going to see a series of documents. You'll look at them. You've got to read them. You've got to go through them. And you, there's usually space to write down, you know what, I kind of see conflict in that document, write that down. In document two, I kind of see power and conflict, so on and so forth. And what your job is going to be to do is look at those five documents together as a group. And then identify which enduring issue you see the most in all five or about three of them, the majority of them. So let's say you then take... Which enduring issue do I see is most obvious in all of these documents? I always like to use Lord of the Rings analysis um, or analogy. Jeez, I'm struggling today. The Lord of the Rings analogy of which enduring issue unites them all. So in document one, if I see conflict and power, document two, inequality and conflict, document three, inequality and innovation, document four, inequality and power, um, and document five, conflict and innovation. I want to take one of those things that I see the most, and I think I just went through and I said conflict the most in all those documents, so I'm probably going to want to write my essay on conflict throughout history using those documents to show that conflict has existed throughout history, if that makes sense. So enduring issues to me, to break it down, to make it real simple, if you've been confused, they're just big ideas in history. They're big themes in history. Conflict. Humans have been in conflict since we've been alive on the face of this earth, right? Um, humans have had power over other humans since we've been on this earth. Humans have cooperated since we've been on this earth to achieve goals. Um, because of things like power, sometimes humans are unequal. We know one group of people has more power than another. You know, sometimes humans get uh, challenged, and so we create innovations to overcome those challenges. Sometimes we have disagreements because our ideas and beliefs are different, and that leads us into conflict. So there's all, all of these enduring issues, you know, are just big themes in history that just seem to keep happening over and over again. There's that, there's that saying that, you know, history repeats itself. 
I have some problems with that, you know, expression. It's kind of true, but I think it oversimplifies history. But really, that's all enduring issues are. They're things that keep popping up over and over again. You know, for instance, we talked about, um, you know, for each of these enduring issues, look at conflict, right? Conflict, you had protests, you had colonists out in the streets protesting taxes and measures the British Empire um, were doing to the 13 colonies during the American Revolution. We have protests right now. I'm not saying these these are the similar, um, for similar reasons or they're exactly the same, but right now we have protests in America over a variety of issues all the time, right? You could argue those um, those are those are conflicts over time. They're similar because they're both protests, right? And they can sometimes even become violent and have conflict. But you could also say that people's ideas and beliefs, another enduring issue, have led them to protest, right? The colonists had ideas and beliefs of why they protested. People today in the United States have ideas and beliefs of why they protest. Are they different? Yeah. Are there similarities? Probably. But their ideas and beliefs led them to protest, which could lead to conflict. Just giving you examples, right? So really, guys, enduring issues are big examples, big themes, big ideas in history. We hope this has been helpful. If enduring issues are confusing at all to you, um, you know, always email your teachers. Uh, it, it's it's a it's a tough topic to kind of get through at times, but you know, once you really start to look at historical sources and get into the meat of the topic, you do really do just fine of it. Like I said, I often find students have a hard time explaining what an enduring issue is. Um, just remember, endure means to last. It's long-lasting, and that kind of helps. They have a hard time explaining what enduring issue is sometimes, but they're really good at like looking at a document and saying, oh, yeah, that's conflict. Oh, I see power. And the debate will be wonderful of why they see it there, too. So really, you know, when it comes to the practical nature of this topic... I think students will do super well and have fun with it. A final way I've heard enduring issues described are as patterns throughout history. They're patterns of human behavior that seem to keep occurring throughout history, and humans seem to keep exhibiting this behavior. Um, I kind of probably should mention that a little bit earlier in the show. I think that's an easier way for people to understand in their minds, but hey, I got it here at the end. So I think it, you know, describing enduring issues as patterns of uh, human behavior. Um, in our history is another good way to understand during issues. But, you know, like I said, practical matter, I think students will do just fine on this topic. So this has been Holly History. We hope you enjoyed this episode and this gets you ready. Thanks for listening.